Hello and welcome to Hustlers for a Cause, the podcast for growth-oriented entrepreneurs and executives who aspire to create positive change in the world. Are you in business for more than just profit? Then like and subscribe today and join our channel to become a hustler for a cause. Hello and welcome to Hustlers for a Cause. Today, we're honored to have special guest Phil Paluccia. Phil is a business growth strategist that's mastered the art of creating strategic alliances to grow your business by six, seven, or eight figures. He has grown and sold two podcasting networks in addition to two professional services agencies that he's grown through podcasting. He's been in the game for over 13 years now and spends his time helping businesses that have the potential to impact people's lives, the environment, or their industry to grow faster. Phil, it's an honor to have you here today. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me here. It's awesome. And you're already better than the guy who balls my name up. <laughs> we were so, we have the, uh, for those people that don't know, we have like a, a short conversation in what I like to call the virtual green room beforehand. And uh, you, you've come across someone who balls my name up during an intro, which is quite interesting. I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, you've, you've got me really curious now. I'm going to have to go hunting. The problem with going hunting is I'm going to have to listen to probably several hundred podcast intros just to see if I can find the guy. Just to and find that one, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that seems like a bit ridiculous, maybe a bit like overkill, but who knows. And at the same time, my wife has just brought me a great big cup of tea. So we're already off to a winner. Okay. So I have a question on that too, because I was checking out your Instagram and there was yeah. two things on there that were more interesting to me than anything else. And you've done some pretty cool stuff, but sure. I think your wife is probably the best cake decorator I've ever seen she ever. Ridiculous, isn't she? So I need to know, like, what is the favorite, what is your favorite cake that she's ever made? I'm going to say the last one. I mean, like she made edible rolls of US dollars and fully, she made cigars, like full blown cigars. So it was like a mobster cake. But the cigars, you know, the like the wrapper on the cigars, they all mm-hmm. had billionaires in boxes, hand painted logos on them. Like, oh, dude, cool. she went above and beyond with this thing. Like, it was re- absolutely ridiculous. Um, other than that, like, I think she's very good at making like doll cakes for my daughters, where she'll kind of have like a Barbie or a Disney doll in the middle, and yep. she'll make this really flamboyant cake. So she's done Belle from Beauty and the Beast. She's done the Frozen uh, characters, like, yep. and this thing is amazing. Like, some of them, she even puts like lights on them and stuff, where like this thing will wow. glow up like she's ridiculous and we keep trying to tell her that she'd do it for a business but there's two problems to her running this as a business and i both of them so problem number one is that she gets really stressed out when she's doing it especially when people get in her way and i am notorious for getting in the way i'm a real child i'm like oh what are you doing what are you doing that for can i have a look at that bit right the other problem we're going to have is that I am always trying to stay fit and healthy. And if she has that much cake and ice and sugar around my house all the time, like I just eat and eat because I don't have any mm-hmm. control. There's no, I have no self-control over that. If she has like, I remember she had a big block of this pink glittery icing that she's using. By the yep. time she came to use it, I'd already eaten half of it by just taking <laughs> a slither at a time and just walking around munching icing sugar. So I am oh, yeah. the reason that, that, that the world <laughs> is being deprived of the next cake boss. Without a doubt. She, um, yeah, it must have been Belle that I saw on there last night. And it was just like the amount of detail puts definitely puts the cake boss to shame. Like crazy. Unbelievable. She's so amazing at it. She's such a talent. Absolutely. Yeah. Was that like her whole life she did that? Or is that just something recent? I don't know. Like, I mean, it's not recent. She's been very talented. She's a very talented artist. She just enjoys doing it with food. 
Yeah, but she's she's an incredible chef as well. So she's very good at desserts, but she's an incredible chef when it comes to food. So I'm spoiled rotten. I mean, I th- in fact, quite quite nice because um one of my best friends he can't cook, and neither can his wife. Like their food mm-hmm. is shocking. Like the only time they have <laughs> nice food is like when they get takeaway. Whereas my wife and I are both really good at cooking. We're very good at cooking different meals, but we're both very good at cooking. So there's some beautiful things that happen in our house. And in fact, it's one of the things that we like to do. But as a little side note, we can't mm-hmm. cook together. Because imagine like we're both head chefs. Like you yeah. can't have two <laughs> Gordon Ramsay's in the kitchen. It's like, could you peel me some potatoes? Like, what do I look like? You're sous chef? No, like I'm doing. <laughs> it's hilarious when we try and cook together. We've tried awesome. it on several occasions and we almost can't. It's like, you do this event, I'll do this event. And we just don't mix in the kitchen. <laughs> And um, I think I saw you had like a really hairy friend on there too. I guess that's from your South Africa house. Maybe you have like a monkey. Oh yeah. What did you talk about there for a minute? I was like, I got quite a few hairy friends. I was like, who did I put on my Instagram? Like, yeah. So um, we went to, it was gorgeous. They're gorgeous actually. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story about it. The first time I ever, I was in Durban, which is on the coast. And I kept hearing this noise. And I was like, that noise? Like, I keep hearing it in the trees above me. And the next thing, this monkey drops down out of the tree onto the feds <laughs> and just takes the apple out my hand and like shoots back up on the roof again. And I wow. remember hearing the laughter from my wife's family in the house because I went, Saf. She's my wife. I said, Saf. She's like, yeah. It's like, a monkey just stole my apple. <laughs> and they all just burst out laughing. They're like, yeah, there's a whole family of monkeys in the tree. And I'm like, I've never seen a monkey outside of the zoo let alone just dropping down to steal stuff from me. Like, this is bizarre. <laughs> so, yeah, you do get to see, uh, depending on where you are, you get to see a fair few of them. Some of them are friendlier than others, as you saw from the picture. That one was particularly cute. She was a woman called, I want to say Flora was her name. And she was very friendly. She was quite old. She was quite timid. And she's a bit weird for a monkey, but she just liked to cuddle. Like, you go stand next to her, she'd just want to hug. So you just go and give her a cuddle, and then she'd kind of waddle off and do her thing again pictures were and actually i that particular day you'll probably see in the picture i was wearing a green t-shirt with a picture of a monkey on it and she kept like snuggling her head into the monkey and stuff and just kind of, it, was, it was really sweet so yeah that's interesting that they're the two that you picked out cakes and monkeys oh yeah okay cool so is it so let's get down to it um where did it all start for you good question i mean in terms of the business or in terms of life i mean both like uh so i guess you you came like all the way back you didn't know you were going to go into podcasting, right? You didn't oh, know, like even the space. I guess you said you, you told you said in previous interviews you started really in sports, right? Yeah, I did. So I was a professional athlete from the age of like five to my early twenties. I, I wanted to sign for a Premier League club and didn't get my professional contract at sixteen. I'd been to the academy network and, and kind mm-hmm. of worked my way up and ended up moving over to Central Europe to go and play. And I was a relatively decent player. I kept waiting for Liverpool to spot me and bring me home, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I was quite bitter about that for a while, but the reality is now I look back on it that I was not good enough to play for Liverpool, which is why I didn't play for Liverpool. Shock horror, right? But I ended up being medically retired in my early 20s with the words, your shin bone has the consistency of dried spaghetti. And that was kind of, that was a bummer. And I went into coaching, but because that kind of was my next plan, right? I was going to play for it until I was like my 30s. Then I was going to become a coach. Then I was going to be a pundit. Then I was going to retire. So I thought, well, if I can't carry on playing, I'll just do everything early. I'll go and become a coach. And I love the kids and I love the academy. But at the same time, it was like being a recovering alcoholic trying to manage a bar. Like, Mm. I didn't want to be on the side of the field. I wanted to be on the field. It was really painful, like the the fact that I couldn't. I mean, I kind of liken it to, you know, imagine uh, being madly in love with somebody and having to spend all day every day watching them with their new partner being extremely happy. Like, you're just putting yourself through endless amounts of torture. Just get yourself out of that environment. 
So that's what I did. But to keep my toe in the water with sport, as I went and carried on doing my surveying qualification and then becoming very successful in the world of real estate and construction, board level for some of the biggest names in the industry, Jones Lang LaSalle, CBRE, Keller Williams, C, you name it, been there, done that. And um, But I, around that time, fan alternative content had just started to become a thing. So a friend of mine, still one of my best friends, is a journalist. And he says, um, I started this sports podcast. I said, what the hell is a podcast? And he's like, basically, we get people together and we have a chat and then we release it. And I was like, who would want to listen to that? And he was like, loads of people listen to it. We've got like 10,000 listeners. And I was like, 10,000 people listening to us talking crap. Like, this is ridiculous. And he's like, do you want to do it or not? And he said, because like, you've got like a really interesting (laughs) perspective because you're a raging fan, but you've also grown up in that environment. Now, you got to remember, this is before the time when Instagram was around and all the behind the scenes footage was showing you what they're having for breakfast and where they take a dump and everything else. Like this was like, if you wanted to know what was going on in the world of sport, you would have to stand on a fence and look over and see what was going on. So being able to be the guy that has friends who are in the England setup, for example, and they're like, so right now they're getting ready for the Germany game. What does that look like? What does preparation look like? What does the morning look like? When do they have the meeting? Kind of who's saying what to who? And like being able to give that insight, I was quite uniquely placed as a fan and as a former player. So started doing it, very quickly realized that you could make some money from this. Like I didn't understand why we were paying to do this. This was ridiculous. Like I was thinking, okay, 10,000 listeners, 18 to 35 age demographic, predominantly males with disposable income with an interest in this sport. You're telling me nobody wants to buy that data? Like we should just go get sponsors and advertisers. And we did that and grew that network. And then we had a, a break, which just so happened to be the same length as preseason. We had a six-week break and then went, should we do another one? And then started another one and, and I grew and sold that one. And then figured out when I left the corporate world that you could use podcasting to grow your business because it's like a VIP backstage past your industry, right? The people who yep. won't give you 10 minutes on the phone will give you 45, 60 minutes on a podcast. So started doing that, grew and sold two professional services agencies, as you so eloquently said during the introduction. And then um, for about the past six years now, I've been teaching and coaching other people how to do this and scale their businesses, usually by around seven to eight figures using strategic alliances and direct sales through podcasting and media. Nice. You know, I love um, one of the points that you make or you drive home, right? It's like podcasting isn't about building the audience. It's about building your network. 100%. Totally couldn't agree more with that. And I think that that's one of the things that just like podcasters miss on overall, like people Mm -hmm. get into it and they just think all about the audience and don't recognize that just the opportunity to have a podcast to meet Mm -hmm. so many interesting people, like there's just so much to it beyond just creating it. Yeah. So I mean, like, I guess, what do you think are like other areas that are like real, like big opportunities for podcasters, either hosts or interviewee, uh, interviewees, where they commonly go wrong that they really um, use help with? So the first one I think you've already touched on, which is that the reason that only like 8 to 10% of podcasters or guests will ever monetize a podcast is because they try and run it like a TV or radio show. And they're thinking, I need to grow an audience so I can get advertising, I can get sponsorship. Look, I don't want to piss on anyone's chips, but there's only so many Joe Rogans out. There's only so many people that Spotify are going to come to and say, here's a couple of hundred million, right? I don't even have sponsors and advertisers my podcast anymore because I use it to grow strategic alliances and build relationships. So I would question people to put into three categories, whether this is a host or whether this is uh, as a guest. If this person's not going to become a customer, a strategic alliance, or introduce you to potential partners for your business, the hell are you talking to them for? Right. And so many people don't have a strategy. What they'll do is particularly guest booking. They'll say, you know, how do you decide, you know, who shows you go on? And they say, 
well, just whoever invites me, really. I'm kind of flattered when somebody invites me. And it's like, so you don't really have a strategy. It's like, no. It's like, but you wouldn't do that any other aspect of your life. Like if somebody asked you out on a date, you wouldn't just say yes because they asked you out on a date. You know, if somebody just offered you the first job anyway, like you'd look at your options, right? You wouldn't just say yes because somebody offers you a job. And I said to somebody recently, I was like, look, would you spend five to $10,000 on Facebook ads without any strategy in place at all? And they're like, no, of course not. It's like, but your time is your most valuable commodity. So that's worth way more than that. So if you wouldn't do it with five to $10,000, why would you do it with your time? That doesn't make any sense to me. So if you're investing your time into something, make sure it's worth something. So if you were to contact my team and say, I want to have 45 to 60 minutes with Phil, they say, sure, here's his invoice, book a strategy call. You invite me onto a podcast, that's an exchange of value. That's an opportunity to reach more people, talk to people about what we're doing. You know, your vibe attracts your tribe. Let's see who resonates with me. Some of your listeners will be listening to this thinking, this guy's awesome. I want to know more about him. Other people will be listening thinking, this guy's a complete ass. I never want to hear from him ever again. And both of those things are cool. This is one another point that we should make is we've all worked with people that we really wish we hadn't bothered. So putting yourself out there and seeing who you resonate with is a phenomenal way of avoiding those customers that you shouldn't be working with whilst identifying those that you should. Yeah, that was well said. Except uh, the only thing is, I guess, like uh, when it comes to the dating, it depends on how desperate you are, right? Like if you really That's also just- true. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, like, no. it's like saying yes to the Tinder profile with no image. <laughs> <laughs> Well, every once in a while, we need a surprise, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Like a, like a mystery box date. Good luck with that. Let me know how you get on. Yeah, right. <laughs> That'd be a good TV show. <laughs> right? You just always have like, you have like two options that are really good and one option that you just have no idea. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, which way are you going to go? Absolutely. Uh, it's like deal or no deal meets the undateables. Oh. I think that's a good idea. We should pitch that. Yeah, I'm ready. You know anybody that's ready to uh, be pitched? Let's do it. I certainly do. I, I have a TV network, so I certainly do. Okay, so then as a podcast host, how should I define success, right? Because I think that in order to have a strategy, mm-hmm. I need to have what success looks like to have a strategy to get to it, right? It's a good point. Okay, so let's do the exercise live on air then because I think it'll be helpful for people. What do you do outside of your podcast? What's your business? How do you make your money? Yeah. So um, for me, this is a totally, so the podcast is somewhat tangential, but the the core of the business is content marketing. So it still fits a line that way, right? But I've always worked with like uh, coaches, consultants, and nonprofits to help them create their brand story and then share that story online to get organic reach. So a lot of like SEO and that kind of thing. And so this is a great way for me to meet people that are like-minded and to help the right people strategically to share their voice from one medium onto other mediums and repurpose their content. So that's the primary goal, or that was the primary goal initially, I'll say. I actually, before I started podcasting, I never even listened to a single podcast. And one of my men, yeah, right. One of my mentors like pushed me. I was like, you have to do this. Like, this is it. This is your next thing. And I was like, all right, whatever. I'll give this thing a shot. And, you know, I've had a good career. I've had uh, some success. And I realized that if I was going to do podcasting, I didn't want to just do it because just for my own self or just for maybe like a little bit of value for a couple other people. But entrepreneurs really go out there, like most of them, I would say, for a reason beyond themselves. They really want to make a difference in the world in some way. And so if I'm going to do this, 
I think you say it really well with your vibe attracts your tribe, right? Like I want to find yeah, the yeah. other people that are out there that are looking to make the world better in some way, whether it's their community or it's, you know, the, the entire world and the environment. I don't know why it took me so long to think of the environment. Okay. But, so well, look, right. let's take your podcast off the table for a second. Let's fast forward 12 months from now in your business, the coaches, consultants, and the not-for-profits. Now, mm -hmm. I love the fact that that kind of um, corporate social climate and community social responsibility piece is really big for you. You know, this isn't mm -hmm. about helping people make money necessarily. I mean, it is, but it's about helping, you know, no, there's no such, there's no point having a broke philanthropist, right? The more money you have, the of more course. people you can help. So mm -hmm. you want to elevate these people and help them to be successful. So think about your business for a second, 12 months from now, what would you consider to be a success? You know, if you were to picture like a great scenario, how many clients are you working with? What kind of projects are you working with them on? What do they look like? And, and actually give me a number. What does that look like for you? 12 months from now, you're in a great scenario. How many businesses are you working with on a full-on basis? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'd say it would be, so there's probably, there's two paths. So I'd probably say like a uh, hundred clients and it would probably okay. be a new, so a new content scheduling platform that we have that's up and running at this point that um, we're going to do a rebuild for so that that would be relaunched. That would Beautiful. be our success. Okay. So how many clients are you working with today? So today we're at 12. Okay. So it's about 10x. Yeah. So about 10x. And the content scheduling tool, what kind of people do you need to plug in to make, to get that kind of rebuild to the next level? Are you yeah. going to build yourself? Are you going to plug so, people in that you need to support you? What's yeah. Up yeah. So I'm building a team a little bit for it. I mean, I have like, a, for the most part, I built it myself first mm -hmm. time around. And then, yeah, mm -hmm. now at this point, as we re-envision it, it's creating the right team for it. So if we brought in four to six of the right people then, whether they're directly or whether they're strategic alliances, that could kind of get you to that next level, right? Yep, definitely. Okay. So that 87 customers plus four to six new people is your new podcast strategy. Yeah. So you want to find entrepreneurs, coaches, business consultants, and not-for-profits that are trying to do something that's going to change the world. And they all have a particular pain point. That pain point is that they kick ass at what they do, but not enough people know that they exist. So you giving them a platform as a podcast to let them allow to put their voice out and share it allows you the ability to elevate them, but also meet them and see whether this is somebody that you want to be working with. That's how you're going to meet your 80-odd clients. Let's yeah. call it 90 because it's easier. That's how you're going to meet your 90 clients. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Go, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say the only so like the only tweak that I've done to that is meet the people who will introduce you to the clients too. Yes. So okay. don't so, even so, just go after like a client because it's so much more valuable to go to meet someone who knows a thousand other people. Right. Uh, you're so right. So that's where the strategic yeah. alliances come in. So I call it influence the influencers. Right. So if you need to find ninety customers that are in that space. What if that was only four or five strategic alliances that each have access to all of those people anyway? Mm -hmm. So you're talking the economic empowerment groups, the chamber of commerce, the business groups, the business guild, what I call NCPs, non-competitive partners. Who are the people that already work with your ideal customers that don't sell the same service or product that you do? That's who yep. you're inviting onto your podcast. Okay. So how did you go from the sports podcast to figuring all of this out, right? Because like, I feel like you can be a sports podcaster, you can have success, you can build new sports podcasts, but to recognize the system that underlies podcasting and the strategic value of building it, like there's something else that has that's disconnected there. So like, what's if you if we just do like a little more background, like, what do yeah. you feel like is like that moment for you that caused that uh, identified that for you? 
There's probably two bits that I want to say to that. So one of them I, I kind of always knew, and I'll talk about that first. The second piece I had to really figure out as we kind of went along. And that's kind of more of the leap from doing my own show to guest appearing. So I'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, the sports podcast thing, I wanted to interview players, right? I mean, that's what I want to do. I want to interview the big names, the people that people know. Of course, yeah. But you try contacting players. Like, good luck. What am I going to do? Like, <laughs> tweet them and be like, hey, Steven Gerrard, do you want to come on a podcast? It's like, what, number one, what's a podcast? Number two, who the hell are you? Even if you get a response. So I knew, because it's the world that I grew up in, the way that you get to the players is by getting to their entourage. It's their management team. It's their coaches. It's the press people within the business. So how do I get to players? Well, I need to get to the press officers. How do I get to the press officers? I invite, I look at the events that they're doing and invite them onto the show to sell tickets about the events to build relationship with the press officer. Now I get access to the press conferences. So the players and the managers start to see my face more often so that when I can get in touch with them, I say, Hey, I was the guy that asked you about such a thing. You know, I see you're going to be in Dublin for a preseason friendly. Could we put some time aside for a podcast? So I always knew that that was the way of doing it. So in business, that just made total sense to me, right? CEOs and MDs are stressed out of their tree. So how do I get hold of them? Well, I contact their investors. I contact the VCs, the private equity firms, the family offices who are investing into them, build a relationship with them and say, you know, who is your portfolio that you're working with? Or oh, this business and this business. I'd love an introduction. Well, influence the influencers. Now I'm being introduced to the CEO by someone who's pumped in millions of dollars worth of investment into their business. Say, you need to speak to Phil. This guy's next level. You know, you're going to have a lot of fun with this guy. So that's point number one. So I kind of always knew that. And, and it's, um, if you've ever watched The Pursuit of Happiness, it's a great movie, but he mm -hmm. didn't have time to finish his call list. So instead of starting at the bottom and working your way up like everybody else, he started at the very top and called the CEO and worked his way down, right? That is a phenomenal business lesson. And anyone who doesn't do that is off the charts crazy. Like I grew and sold a professional services agency that was a, an executive search firm. I didn't deal with HR once. The only time I ever used to get put in touch with human resources was when the CEO had already signed the contract to say to HR, we now work with this guy. Everyone else was busy wow. trying to get HR to give them a call back or get a meeting to come in and pitch them. I've gone and played golf with the CEO after inviting him onto a podcast, and now I've just won the multi-million dollar deal, right? Play the game differently. There are no rules. Make your own rules, okay? Second thing I want to say is when I, there was a, was a learning curve, though, when I realized that your podcast, and I don't mean your, as in like I'm not picking on you here, but you having your own podcast is about networking and about learning. Appearing on other people's podcasts is about sales and credibility. You have to do both, right? If you want full success, you have to do both. So to use the analogy we just used with your podcast, I would use your podcast to learn from other people in your space and create those strategic alliances, network with them, get to know people, create strategic alliances. I would use other people's podcasts to go onto podcasts that already have existing audiences of coaches, consultants, and not-for-profit businesses and talk about your successes, share the stories, talk about what you're doing. You do those two things together, you'll dominate the market. Yeah, I couldn't say it better. That's awesome. And yeah, even I'm getting a, a whole bunch of ideas and stuff too. So, all right. So I don't want you Good. to give away your whole, all of the sugar. So, Oh, I'm not. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> this, dude, this yeah. is the tip of the iceberg. I promise you. This is why people <laughs> like working. I mean, I had it this morning. I had a um, mm -hmm. guy actually who, I won't say his name because he's quite famous. And I haven't asked his permission, but He's somebody that you but, will uh, know. And he did tell your name correctly though, right? He, he gets my name right. Yeah, exactly. So he's somebody who did my starter pack quite recently. And we haven't even really finished the starter pack. It's about a five-week program. And he had a holiday. So we kind of have like the last bit of it to do. And he booked in a call with me. And I was a bit like, I don't know what this call's really about. Is he annoyed about something? Like, is he chasing that final bit? Like, I don't know. 
So I went on the call, not really knowing what to expect. And within 30 seconds of being on the call, he said, I just want to say how much I'm loving our work together. So I wanted to jump the gun a little bit and say, what are we doing for the next six to 12 months? And how do we put that in place? Some point today as part of his deposit for what we're doing, he'll be sending me a $10,000 payment. He called me. So I am not giving away the crown jewels. I'm giving you the tip of the iceberg. My attitude towards this is if I can give people the tools that get them to that next level of success, which means that they can then plug in and come and work with my services to take them to the next level. Why would I not want to do that? I mean, a little bit of a secret for you. We're in the process of recording um, a series at the moment, which is going to be completely for free. You know, all you have to do to get it is to sign up and get access to it so that we've got your details so that we can market to you. Shock horror. We're creating our mailing list, right? And being honest. And what it is, is, okay, you're interested in what we do. You want to work with us, but you can't pay the anywhere between three and $75,000 we charge per month, right? Fine. Here are four videos. One's about sell by chat. One's about direct outreach. One's about podcast guesting and some of the sites to do it. And this is how you monetize the strategy. Go and put these four things into action, make money with that money, come back and hire us and we'll take you to the next level. Yeah, same thing. Same concept for like what I did for all of like our content marketing stuff with articles and SEO, mm-hmm. right? It's all about like teach people how to be in, how to enable themselves to do it, get them to the point that they have enough success that they're like, I don't want to do this. Now yep. let me give it away. And 100%. Yeah. I got sick of hearing from yeah. people. I want to work with you. I just need to go away and do a few more sales or I just need to fix mm-hmm. my cash flow to do that. So now it's a case of actually let me fix your cash flow for you. You know, don't go trying every door. I spent 13 years figuring out which are the right ones and the wrong ones. So here, do this, don't do that and try this. Then come back to me with the success once you've got the money. And that's the other thing as well. People don't perform well from a place of heightened stress. So if you've paid me 5,000 bucks, but that's all you've got in the world, you're now so stressed out that you've got to make that work. And it's like, oh my God, it has to start paying like today. Phil's saying that over the next two to three months, we're going to start making another 50 to, to 100 grand. I haven't got 50 days. I've got to pay my rent in 10 days time. What the hell am I going to do? I'm not going to take your money because you're not ready for us yet. That would be irresponsible of me to do that. I want you to come to me and say, Phil, that five grand I'm about to pay you, I've got another 10 in the bank. So I'm cool. Like if this takes me six to eight weeks to start making money from this, I'm relaxed. I'm good to go. Teach me what I need to know. And that for me is the sweet spot. That's how I help you. I think that's totally right. I want to be the reason you're broke. Yeah. Even even the fact that that means that you have the space as like a customer to play, have fun. And like, that's so important to success. You're totally right. I mean, it's something I've not even thought about, like in qualifying customers in, in the past, definitely were, you know, everyone goes wrong at some point, right? And that's definitely yep. one of those cases where it's easy to go wrong and take yep. someone on not recognizing the stress that they have for success that's going to become the reason that they're not successful, right? Exactly. So like, yeah. And you've probably seen that post as well. I mean, there was one knocking around recently and it was like a $5,000 and a $50,000 client, if I'm not mistaken, or it might've been 500 and 5,000. I don't remember, but it was, um, so essentially what happened was $5,000 client. It's like, look, before I send you this money, I just need a guarantee that it's going to work because I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. I am trusting you. The safety of my family and my business kind of depends on this, right? $50,000 client, money sent, right? They're the two messages you get from those different types of people. And that's so, so true. And I don't, and that's not a disrespectful thing. That's not saying that you charge that. I mean, I have services at three, five and 15 for our starter packs, right? So I'm knocking three and $5,000 packages. What I'm saying to you is there's a big difference between taking five grand off somebody that's only got five grand in the world or worse still, 
is putting this on their credit card to be able to afford it. Definitely. Then there is the person who's got 20 grand in the bank and is saying, well, I'm going to chuck five grand at him and see if I can turn that five into 50. That's a mm-hmm. completely different scenario. It's also, and you said about having fun and playing, right? Strategic alliances often about going into a relationship with somebody with no pretense of what that's going to look like, seeing if you resonate together. And then if you do saying, Let's arrange another call to explore how we're going to work together and what it is we're going to do. If you're stressed about money, you can't see the opportunities. All you can see is this guy is not going to buy my service. Why am I on the phone with him? And you miss the wider opportunities. So there has to be a little maneuver room. So I I like the way you put it. I think you have to have some room to play. And if you don't have room to play, you need to play smaller right now until you do have room to play. Yep, definitely. Okay, so to tell us a little bit more about... So first of all, I guess... I know you've said it before, but just because like, so I first, when I was first uh, checking you out, looking everything up and I'm like, I see billionaires and boxers. I see someone that looks that they're like, you know, 16. And I was like, wait a minute, like, who am I interviewing here? What is this? (laughs) And then I was like, and then I was super impressed, you know? So like, okay, so tell us the story of billionaires and boxers and why the name? I love the fact you think I look 16. That's beautiful. Most (laughs) people usually think I look older than I am. It's very complimentary. He's, He's a charmer, this one. Must be like, how old are you? Like 40, 50? I was like, I'm in my 30s, you cheap <laughs> shit. Um, but no, so Billionaires in Boxes as a name actually came about as a joke. We had our podcast had been picked up as by an international radio station, and we were doing that for about 12 months very successfully. And then that got picked up by a television network. But they at the time it was called the big boom. Boom was a play on words. It was the boom of the mic, but it was also the boom of the business success because it makes you go boom. But they hated that. And then every other name I suggested, they really despised. Like, and, and I always like saying this because it's so true. Like, I don't mean they disliked it. I mean, like, I was almost banned from naming my own TV show because they hated all of my ideas so badly. And in the end, I just started joking around with it because that's what I do. I was always the class clown. That's why I got kicked out of school at 14, right? So I was always the class clown. So I said, well, how about billionaires in boxes? Because I grow global empires from home and I rarely put on pants. And they were like, that's brilliant. We're going to use that. And I was like, I was joking, for goodness sake. Like, no, seriously, (laughs) we're going to use it. So they ran with it. We did season one. It was very successful. And people started to recognize me as the billionaires in boxes guy before they even knew my name. Like that other guy, clearly, that we spoke about at the beginning. (laughs) Uh, He's he's, he's so focused on the boxes, he doesn't even know what my name is. And that was real eye-opener for me. So what we ended up doing was doing a complete rebrand for the broadcasting network, podcast business, growth strategy, the marketing side of business, everything. Everything got changed to billionaires in boxes. And I have to tell you, it was the best decision I've ever made because I've never had a brand before that resonates with so many people. Like, I don't think you'll have heard different interviews. I don't think I've ever had a conversation with somebody where the name hasn't come up. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Either somebody say, I love the name. This is what it means to me. Or what a cool name. How did you come up with that? Or what does that name actually mean? Someone always wants to ask me. And what I love about that is I get to hear different people's opinions and feelings and interpretations of my brand. Like that is so powerful. Like I can't even think of any other time that that happens. Like somebody goes, you know what your brand means to me? It's like, it's free feedback from your market. Mm -hmm. Um, The only time I ever had somebody who didn't like it and I actually, she didn't like it at all. Uh, <laughs> this very feminist woman, and she was like, uh, and I had nothing against feminists, but she was just clearly picking a fight. And she was like, oh, that name to me just seems really sexist. I mean, do you only work with men or something? And I was like, no, I have loads of female clients. And she said, well, that wouldn't resonate with me, that title, because it sounds too masculine. And I said, well, women can wear boxes. You shouldn't be so sexist and presumptive. And she got really irritated. <laughs> she was not happy with that at all. 
was like, well, don't call me sexist then. At no point did can, did I did I say, you know, male billionaires in boxers? No. In fact, we are currently in the process of working with an apparels company to have billionaires in boxers, boxer shorts created. And we're doing male and female boxer shorts. No, this is not, you know, it's not a sexist thing at all. So that was the only person who ever didn't like it. Everybody else really liked it. There was one that really did make me laugh, though, because he asked me whether my business, how my business related to dead billionaires. And I was like, dead billionaires? He's like, yeah, like deceased. And I was like, it doesn't. Like, I'm, I'm not kind of doing like some seance stuff. Like, what do you think I'm doing in this business? There's a and great twist like, at the end of each episode. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that person you've just heard from has actually been dead for 20 years. Like, I'm not, no, like some random medium doing an interview. And I was like, where did that come from? And he's like, well, I, I wondered why you called it billionaires in boxes. And I was like, not boxes. You've got dyslexia. I was like, go read it again. It's like, do you think I'm, he thought I was like some sort of weird taxidermist or some undertaker or something like uh, running a funeral business? Oh, yeah, actually, we don't do any podcasting at all. We just do funeral care for billionaires, <laughs> like maybe in the future. <laughs> I don't know, like as a side project. But now my audience are all starting to die off. So I'm going to start doing the funeral plans as well. <laughs> I cried laughing with that. He's like, oh, I'm mortified. I'm really embarrassed. I said, I don't think we should talk about mortar anymore, do you? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think we should leave the dead puns alone. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so tell us about um, Billionaires and Boxers TV. I mean, uh, it sounds mm -hmm. like, yeah, just where you guys are, are right now with it. What was the, the purpose really behind it? Yeah, I love that. So we mainly broadcast across the emerging markets. So we have 15 different satellite television networks that we work with across the emerging markets at the moment. And as well as our own show, which is obviously the headliner for it, we create around 250 to 300 hours worth of business content per month at the moment um, for different businesses. And it's all about two things, really. It's about emerging market wealth creation, and it's about sharing of best practice. It's like, I like to call it introducing the, the West to the emerging market, introducing the emerging market to the West. And the reason for that is that these businesses, these not businesses, these countries, they are emerging and they have so much talent and they have so many great people. I, I spent a lot of time in Africa. My wife's from South Africa, we were, we were saying earlier. And, you know, there are places that when I first moved down to South Africa that had zero internet connectivity, they now have fiber optic lines. Like they can now communicate with the rest of the world. The grid, now they have fiber optic internet. So they can do business with the rest of the world, but they need to upskill that level of skill. And also there's a little bit of mistrust. There's a certain element of Africa is kind of nervous to do business with the US and the US is kind of nervous to do business with Africa. And everyone's a bit nervous to do business with Southeast Asia because it's too close to China and China scares everyone. And there's a lot of mistrust in that international market. And actually what you start to find through podcastings like that is there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of similarities. Like there's more that unites us than divides us. I mean, COVID was a great example of that, right? We all went through the same crap. We all had to figure out how to work at home with the kids and we all had to work out, well, I don't like grocery shopping here and that place I like doesn't do online shopping and my favorite restaurants closed down and I can't go to the gym. So I put on weight. We all went through the same challenges. We all went through the same emotional side of things when it came to sort of mental well-being. Like people saying, oh, I'm miserable at home. I miss my friends. I mean, as anyone who knows me will tell you, I, there's two things that most people will tell you about me outside of podcasting. Number one, I'm a hugger. Like I love giving people a hug. Like I'm a big bear. I'm a six foot, six foot two kind of guy, just big bear hug kind of person. That's who I am. So banning me from hugging people for the last 18 months has felt like a really weird. And, and it's been weird to say to people as well. Like, I want to give you a, I want to, I miss hugging. I want to give you a hug. And people are like, this guy's odd, right? 
It just wants to go around <laughs> hugging people. The other thing is, I don't like winter. Um, and for about five or six years, I didn't see winter because every time it would get cold, I'd move to the other hemisphere. So being stuck in one place for 19 months has been a real challenge for me. Like I'm, I got itchy feet about 18 months ago. And I'm probably stuck here now for at least the next six months because the UK is not dealing with it all that well. And South Africa's just gone back into stage four lockdown. So the television network has always been about sharing that best practice, introducing people to other people. And it also helps to elevate the businesses of the people who are creating the content in the first place. But if you want to stand out in your market, if you're a New York ad agency and you want to stand out in your market and everyone's telling you the same crap and you get to go to a client and say, hey, would you like to come on my TV show? It airs across 15 different countries nationwide, uh, worldwide. People suddenly go, dude this one's got a TV show. Like all these other ones are just like, they're all trying to sell me the same crap. This one's got a TV show. Like they must know what they're talking about. So it helps to elevate you, rise above the noise and become the one that stands out. But the real passion behind it for me is, and you've probably read this on my website, my big dream is to empower a billion entrepreneurs and a billion is a big number. And the way that I'm going to do that is by empowering the people who empower others. I'm going to get you out there on a TV network so that you can help other people to grow businesses that help their communities, help their countries, help elevate everybody around them. And that, for me, very similar to you in the whole world improvement piece when it comes to corporate social responsibility and all that kind of stuff. I mean, my master's degree was in renewable energy and clean tech. So I'm, I'm all about sustainability and, and making a better planet two beautiful young children and I'd quite like to leave the world at a better place than the one that I brought them into. And I think if we all kind of take a little bit of a step at that, we've all got a responsibility to make things slightly better and we all just take some minor steps to do it. It's the accumulative effect, right? And and compounding in terms of success and interest and improvement. And that's kind of where it takes us. So at some point we will take ourselves off those 15 different satellite television networks and billionaires in boxes will become its own standalone television network because I want it to become the world's most recognized business broadcast network. Yeah, that's awesome. For those of us who are outside of the emerging markets, yep. is there a way for us to listen now? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so the, it's all available online. It's all available for streaming. I think as of, I want to say October this year, it's going to be on Roku. It's going to be on Amazon Prime. It's going to be, it's everywhere. Apple TV is picking it up, so... There's going to be loads of ways for people to get involved. And again, you know, a whole a whole load of this is because we're a global community. So this isn't exclusively about helping the emerging markets, but it is the place that we're creating the content for, because I think there's Definitely. enough content that's created for the US and North America mm -hmm. or even the West. And everyone else is kind of like, oh, well, if you want to get involved, just, you know, you have to try and get a VPN so that you can watch Hulu. And it's like, no. Let's not do that for people. Let's actually create content for the people that really need it. And if somebody else in the US wants to watch that stuff to elevate themselves as well, then we'll make it freely available for them too. Yeah, it's awesome. And it sounds like an amazing program. How long ago did you guys launch? We're in our third year now since we started doing it. And in fact, there's a couple of big things happening at the moment. So I'll let you in on the ones I can tell you about. We've just got funding for our first movie which is going to be a professional development movie where we're bringing together some of the greatest coaches and entrepreneurs, all of which you will know, best-selling authors, several from the secret movie and things like that. And we're bringing them together for uh, emerging market empowering events. And what we're going to do is essentially a documentary style movie, which records the beginning as in setting it up the during so that you can see it. And then what happens from there is we're all going on safari for a week each, no cell phones, no nothing after the event. Because as anyone who's ever done those events will know the energy is, is really high. And while we're all dialed in, 
I want people to see how we do business together and how we operate together too. So it's, it's literally the before, during and after that will be then produced as a documentary style movie. Mega, mega pumped about that. It was supposed to be that we were going to start actioning that towards the end of this year. Obviously COVID caused a little bit of delay there, but it's, it's well and truly on the cards. Uh, in fact, I'm supposed to be in Cape Town right now recording our latest series and I, I can't get down there. About two days ago, prior to when this podcast was recorded, they got put back into stage four lockdown. So every time I feel like I'm getting closer, uh, it gets another step further away. And so that's happening. I also met a load of great people recently and kind of was was honest with them and shared the vision and said, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's where I'm trying to get to. Who wants to come with me? Expecting to have four or five people say yes. And 42 people said yes. So now I have 42 of the greatest entrepreneurs, investors, directors, television producers, screenwriters, you name it, all kind of saying, I can do this bit. I can do this. We can set up a training academy. We can get people ready. So every time I speak to somebody about this, it becomes something bigger and more beautiful than it was before. So I like to start by saying at the beginning, billionaires in boxes was my idea. Now I'm just blessed to be in sort of leading something that has evolved into something so much more powerful than I ever thought it could be. Yeah, it's well said. It's beautiful. There's always a couple questions I love to ask uh, to wrap up an interview. Um, mm. so this one, if you could make everyone in the world do one thing differently after our discussion today, what would that one thing be? Think outside the box. A lot of the stuff that happens in my head, I've come to realize isn't normal, <laughs> right? So I don't have a normal way of thinking and I'm aware of that now. So I'm embracing it, but it, it does mean that it gives me the opportunity to say to other people, you know, go and do this. Now, in fact, I'll give you a great example because it's one I spoke to somebody about the other day. I love bartering. And I don't mean trying to drive somebody down on price. I mean, if, if, if somebody has a service or offering that would be amazing for your business and you can't afford it right now, barter, trade. Look, if I do this for you, can you do this for me? Like, let's try and figure something out. What's the worst they're going to say? No, right? So I've done that my whole life. I can't afford a website, but I can do this thing for that website developer and they can do it for me. Now I've got a kick-ass website. I've always done that. Look, uh, I want to speak at your event, but I can't afford the $10,000 you're charging to speak. So what if I brought you onto my podcast and introduced you to my audience and plug you in with some people that could potentially become sponsors? Can I get a spot if I do that? Yeah, of course you can. It's worth far more to me than the 10 grand speaking gig. Great. And actually, I was speaking with a friend of mine recently. I'm sure you won't mind me sharing this. A great guy called Tom Matson. And Tom runs Strategic Alliance Live. Great event. Uh, Tom and I actually uh, I spoke at his last event. I'm doing his other one in November. And Tom and I are actually in the process of creating some mastermind series together. So you want to talk about Strategic Alliances. We, met, we got introduced to somebody who I met on a podcast. Tom and I got to know each other on a podcast. And now we're doing a multi-million dollar business together. That right there is a strategic alliance. But he was talking to me. And we, we basically bartered each other to work together in the first place because he wanted me to come and do his event and i was like well you know it sounds like a great idea you know why don't you come on the show i'll do your event and we'll cross promote each other so we did a barter we, we exchanged no cash traded hands but it was fruitful for us both so he rings me the other day and he says you know he said i've had like 50 people or whatever it is sign up for the mastermind uh he's got like a hundred thousand dollar a year mastermind program i said okay and he said i've had about 10 of those people, maybe even more, say, I want to do it. I just can't afford it right now. So I need to go away and do some more deals and then I'll come back to you. I was like, okay. He said, guess how many of them bartered me? I was like, how many? He's like, one. One, dude. One. I was like, one out of a hundred? He's like, one out of a hundred said, well, why don't we do this and this? And he's like, and what that person did is he's plugging me with like investment that can help me raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. So like, 
possibly even million. So that's worth far more to me than the fee ever would have been. So quite happily do that trade, but only one person ever suggested it. So that would be a massive one is start thinking differently. Start thinking and robbing Apple's thing there, aren't I? Apple's slogan. Well, well, Steve Jobs can't come after me, can he? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It bit... depends on if you uh, channel him or not. So Yeah, well, exactly. He's, <laughs> he's on the show next week. Be sure to tune in. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. You just got to think outside the box, right? If you need something in your business right now that will help you get to the next level and you found the right person to do that for you, but cash flow is the issue and you can't afford their services right now, do a trade, do a barter. You'll be like, what's the worst somebody can say? No, but I genuinely think that you will be amazed how many people go, yeah, makes perfect sense to me. Like, I'm happy to bring you in on what we're doing. You help me with this. So you can move so many further steps forward in your business from where you are right now just by thinking outside the box and having those conversations. Awesome. Yeah, last question is just, uh, where can people go to learn more about billionaires, boxers, or to work with you? Yeah, thank you. Billionairesinboxes.com is a good place to come check us out. If you Google us, there's tons of stuff, podcast interviews, even the ones that get my name wrong. <laughs> podcast interviews, uh, ones that I do with my seance and my Wooji board where I contact dead billionaires. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, so there's always interesting stuff happening. There's lots of places to talk to us. I'm going to be completely honest. The only social media profile that I manage myself is my LinkedIn. So if you actually want to talk to me, drop me a message on my LinkedIn and we'll we'll have a conversation there. Other than that, my team are phenomenal and they'll, they'll guide you through the process. We also, if this is interesting for anybody, once or twice a month, we do a free workshop for about an hour, which I call the pitch slap workshop because I'm going to pitch slap you with it. I say they feel, they'll feel it when they hear it. And a pitch slap, I'll tell you my pitch slap because then you'll kind of get a feel of what the hell I'm talking about. It's a f- way of capturing people's attention that makes them want to listen to you. So usually on a podcast or from stage or in a media interview, I will say over the next 20 to 30 minutes, I'm going to show you each how to make seven to eight figures in additional revenue for your business from a podcast that's got zero listeners. Now everyone goes, ooh, what's this guy talking about? So I'm going to show you how to do that. And I'm going to give you the outline of a structure for an interview that makes people listen and go all the way through. And what's going to be interesting for you is when you get to listen to it and you get to do this workshop, it's a LinkedIn event. Um, so come check it out. When you hear it, I want you to come back and re-listen to this interview because you're going to realize that I just used the entire model the whole way through, which is why you're still here listening right to the end. Well done. Awesome, man. It's been a, a pleasure to have you here and I definitely would love to have you back. There's a ton of topics. I just took notes on that. I'd love to schedule time with you for. So um, yeah. Sure thing, brother. Um, well, we'll do exactly that. We'll, we'll arrange another call. We'll jump on like a 30, 45 minute call where the two of us can kind of explore exactly what that looks like and see if I can at least point you in the right direction. And absolutely, yeah. we'll, we'll do another recording at some point. I'd be glad awesome. to. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Yeah. Pleasure to have you here. Great to meet you and look forward to chatting again soon. You too. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Hustlers for a Cause. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss a new episode. This helps us keep interviewing incredible individuals and sharing their remarkable stories with you. This episode of Hustlers for a Cause was brought to you by Blabberjacks. If you're an influencer that's creating meaningful change in the world and you're looking for help increasing the reach and distribution of your message, contact Blabberjacks today. See you next time on Hustlers for a Cause. Until then, keep hustling.